Hello, I'm John Kelly, and this is a podcast of Mystery Train. For rights reasons, the music is shorter than in the original programme. Mystery Train hits the rails Sunday to Thursday at 7pm on RTE Lyric FM. That is music from Bell X1, and I haven't heard that particular song, Rocky, in a long, long time. And uh, Paul Noonan is my guest tonight, Paul, from uh, Bell X1 and various other projects as well. Paul, great to have you here. Thank you. Well, as you know, on this programme, of a Sunday night, um, we get people in to pick the tracks, and Paul's going to pick all the music tonight, and I'm delighted about that. How long ago is that song, Paul? It's uh, well, quite a while. 2006, that, that record came 2006. out. 2006. Yeah. But the thing about Bell X1 now is... And I still think of you as a new band. It's your 20 years on the go. It is. 20 it's years. It snuck up on us 20 years this year, yeah. Does it surprise you as much as it surprises me? It does. Me? It, it's a label I don't wear comfortably, <laughs> really. <laughs> well, it's not so much that. It's the kind of, I, I notice as you get older, it's not, I don't mind being older, but it's, it is a shock. You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and it, it, you tend to sort of navel-gaze a little bit about it, which, you know, is fine. And we're in the process of relearning how to play our first three records at the moment. So you're going, to, you're going to mark this 20 years? We are, right? yeah. We're, we're doing five nights at Vicker Street um, and we're going to play, for the first three of those, we're going to do the first three records. Um, we're also playing the Marquis in Cork um, and St John's Castle in Limerick during oh, the summer. That's, that's, that's good. That's, that's kind of classy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be uh, the, 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 the sort of trip down memory lane factor. I think it'll be kind of sweet when the time comes, but it's uh, it's like... You know, listening to you know, music has has an incredible power to bring you back to certain times and places. Yeah. That song, actually, just listening to it now, Rocky took a lover. Um, did you do that on Letterman or on one of the big American talk yes, shows? Yes, we did. Yeah, on on a, on a, uh, and Jay Leno, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we maybe talk about some of those days later as we <laughs> as we move on. But I say this this situation, it's not it's not an interview as such. It's you to play the music that you like. So we to get into that territory, you're from. Lucan, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Went to school in Selbridge. I did. Yeah, that's where we met as a band. Well, of course, but first of all, it was Juniper, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And Juniper was Damien Rice. Yeah. That's all coming back to me now. <laughs> Damien left, and you said it doesn't matter. We're now Bell X One. Yeah. And off you went. Yeah, we had a bunch of songs, and we. Um, I don't know. We felt at the time that it was just that the it would be, it would be a shame not to keep going, and and. Uh, yeah. Because we were all writing, we were kind of we were one of those annoying bands that swapped instruments and lead singers all the time. So, because you were a drummer, weren't you? I was a drummer. With oh, well, no, you still are a drummer, with, but with you notions. Be, you began yeah. as a drummer. Didn't Ideas you? above my station. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A drummer with a pager. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, when you were a kid, then uh, growing up in Lucan, uh, was it a musical household? Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, it to the extent that my parents had loads of forty fives, uh, uh, which which I for some reason, decorated my room with. I remember I had lots of them hanging from my ceiling and I, uh, as sort of mobiles, I suppose. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my dad always sang um, and he was he, he was a teacher and, and would sort of uh, always have songs that, that he'd, he'd bring to school and and, and, and at home. And now, were these, were these songs that, you know, you were taught at school or were these songs that he thought the kids would benefit from 
learning. I think, he, yeah, the latter. I yeah. think there were a few sort of Eurovision number ones, um, Eurovision winners in there. Yeah. A little piece, I remember, was a big one. The German uh, uh, winner from 1981, I think. You surprised me, Bob. <laughs> surprised me greatly. <laughs> And uh, so did you learn piano or guitar and those things at uh, uh, school? I, you know, I, in school, we do, it was like a sort of high school musical vibe. We, uh, for our, 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 our graduation ceremony, there was, there was a folk group formed and uh, Damien Rice and Brian Crosby and Dominic Phillips, who were, were, were also in, in Juniper, uh, and myself, and, and I was nominated as the drummer because I didn't have a kit but I was really into drumming and I would play the lockers yeah. as a drum kit I would sort of knee them and bang them in various ways and we sort of had that sort of like American high school playing the lockers uh, jamming in the in, in the common room did, sort did of this vibe. folk group that involved you and <laughs> Damien Rice and everything did you have to play folk masses as well uh, well we it was, we we played that one uh, sort of graduation mass right uh, I think we've lived the same life. Um, <laughs> we, we had to do all that. I used to play a tin whistle and I, had to, oh, I, used, nice. to, I used to play a tune called uh, Rana Heron, the women of Ireland during the consecration. <laughs> and, and, and the bishop, apparently who was a Gaelic scholar of some note, <laughs> realised that this was not an appropriate piece of music <laughs> to be played. It sounded good, but it was too, rather too much in praise of, of women okay. and their greatness. Um, but down with that sort of thing. Down with that sort of thing. But yeah, you, you were sort of compelled into these sort of corners that didn't quite yeah, suit. You but know? We, know, we we enjoyed it and it was the sort of birth of the band really yeah. that was. You yeah, know. well it was the end of me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's enough about me. Your first musical choice, Paul, is what? My first musical choice, I, I, I had Oh no dear God, it's Super Tramp. <laughs> yeah, is that allowed? <laughs> it is, yeah. I just looked at the list. Yeah, this is a song that I I I, I remember playing on the kazoo uh, and and thinking what a wonderful way of sort of elevating simple humming to what sounded like a proper instrument. Actually, it's coming back to me now. Super Tramp, uh, Breakfast in America. That's is right, is that yeah. from this album? Uh, no, I think it is actually. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. Breakfast in America was a big song. I remember recording that off yeah. the radio. And and I think I didn't have older siblings, so I'd, uh, an older brother of a good friend of mine, I, I was introduced to a lot of music through, and this was one of them. Take a look at my girlfriend was the line. Um, not much of a girlfriend. You know, imagine walking around at 11 <laughs> singing that, whatever age I was. Anyway, it's raining again. Super Tramp. And this is, it is actually, this is Mystery Train on RTE Lyric FM. We're here until uh, nine o'clock. It's Sunday special. Paul Noonan of Bell X1 and various other projects is in here picking the music tonight. That's his first choice, <laughs> Super Tramp. And you know something, just when you're about to turn up your nose at Super Tramp, because, you know, if you fought the punk wars and all that, that's the enemy, right? It's great though, isn't it? Yes, Gorgeous. it is. You know, I stand so by well it. Made. Yeah, no, but it is. It's so well made and it's kind of flawless and it's hard not to like it, really. It's a nice bounce. Maybe we're just getting older. <laughs> Could be, could be it too. Um, so, I would have heard Supertramp. I know back then when Two FM started up and I was pressing the buttons on the tape machine to record things that were on, in, on, in the charts. Did you? Were you a record buying person, or were you taping stuff off the radio, or were you? I was, know? yeah, taping Larry Gogan yeah. of a Sunday afternoon, and then yeah, I would have bought records then. Um, Bruce Springsteen's Which Born in the USA. Born? I think it was my first. That was a bit later, I think, was it? 
my first yeah um but again it's it's it was through this this friend of mine's uh, older brother who had a, an amazing record collection and uh you know that was that was really a formative sort of influence i i think and i mean this i mean my next choice is 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 was was one of was absolutely one of those that i heard first in that house um it's important isn't it that you meet somebody else you know whether it's a, a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or an older brother or not that you have to meet your older brother, but there's someone else there sometimes to yeah. kind of just just give you a little nudge in a certain direction. And they know? can be really formative introductions as well. That, you know, you're such a blank canvas, I suppose, at yeah. those ages. Also to give you permission sometimes, you know, because, you, you, you know, when you're young and you're a bit you're uncertain about things, you know, you go, I kind of like that music, but I don't know. And then you meet someone else who says, this is really cool. And you go, yeah. yes, I know, it is really cool. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going there. Yeah. Yeah. So who was your buddy then? My buddy was Patrick Rooney and his brother and his brother was uh, was Peter Rooney. And they, I mean, I've, it, it, um, Talking Heads were, have been a massive influence, I think, on, on, on me and, and, and the band. And it, 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 it sort of seeing David Byrne seeing the video for this next song uh, once in a lifetime uh, as a as a kid and the sort of physicality of 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 him and the sort of daftness of it all it was just really compelling you know and and beyond any you know we, obviously we weren't getting the message uh there was i think it was a sort of a, a an anti reagan thing uh i've read it af, af, well after the fact but the, it it just had an an immediate uh I just found it riveting him as as a presence and 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 the physicality of how he moved and and the, the, I suppose the spoken wordness of 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 a lot of this song had a yeah it, it was it, I remember just sort of being transfixed by it. All right, here we go. Once in a lifetime. <laughs> Talking Heads, Once in a Lifetime, the choice of Paul Noonan, who's with me tonight on uh, Mystery Train, picking all the music. There's one thing about, I, I've noticed, Paul, some of the music that I listened to when I was younger, that, younger than that, older than that, I thought it sounded at the time really heavy and beefy and strong. You listen to it now and it doesn't sound so hot, you know, it sounds kind of tinny and all that. Talking Heads still sounds amazing. Yeah. It couldn't be, I wouldn't, you wouldn't change the production at, at all no. on it. The, the blend of the, the percussion and, and where the, that bass line that just, she's just rocking two notes all the way through the song. It's amazing. And you were saying what's quite interesting about that is it's possibly because she wasn't uh, a virtuoso bass player, but she, in, she invented yeah. a way of playing that there suited was, her. Yeah, Tina, Tina had, she, she had a, a real naivety about her playing, which, which I, I think it, it wasn't sort of like virtuoso, virtuoso playing, but it really very, always very sympathetic to the song. Yeah. We know we were talking earlier then about uh, your early performances at folk masses and <laughs> school, and then uh, Juniper and Damien Rice and all that. Um, but you, were you primarily a drummer at that point? Is that what you thought you were going to be? Was a, a drummer? If you ever, you know, progressed further, you'd be a drummer forever. Uh, no, I think I think I always had notions of writing songs and performing them. I'd kind of written songs, or at least bits of music from, I suppose, from an early age. I mean, one, my first musical outing was was as a as a flautist actually in in the Lucan concert band. Again, you surprised me. Yeah, I was uh, I was second flautist. You know, as second comes right after first, as Buzz Aldrin said in The Simpsons. <laughs> um, 
So I wasn't really arsed about playing the flute. I mean, I... I uh, this was, wasn't this wasn't a marching band, was it? It was a concert band. No, oh, we did right, no marching, but yeah. it was as in it was uh, brass and woodwind, no right. strings. Uh, what was the what was the repertoire then? Uh, uh, Monty Python. <laughs> we played quite a bit of Monty Python, which was fun. Okay. Uh, a lot of John Barry. Yeah. Um, but uh, for me, I remember when drums were introduced. I remember the day a drummer showed up in the sort of cacophonous gym hall where we rehearsed. And when he started playing, I, I just, I, I couldn't play myself. I just, I, I had this sort of skittish excitement at this this noise that was happening and, and, and like seeing a real live drummer for the first time. And I, I started sort of staying behind after rehearsals and sort of gives a go your drums. And uh, and eventually I, I became the drummer in the concert band. I became one you, of the... You per- killed the other guys, <laughs> Yeah. I arranged... It was a, a bizarre was a, gardening accident. Yeah, there was a flute found near the scene of the crime, yeah. <laughs> so you were the, the... So what age were you then, the Lucan concert band? Uh, what age were you then? From like nine, maybe nine. Right, OK, OK. And, and the problem... The practical problem for most kids, and a lot of kids who are musical, you know, are into bands and so on, they fancy being a drummer. And I know I did, but there was no way you were going to get a kit. There'd be nowhere to put it. There'd yeah. be nowhere you could play it, etc., etc. you know. So how, how did you, I mean, how did you do that? Uh, my parents were very cool. I, they, they allowed me to sell the flute and buy a drum kit. And, and I put it in the shed right. in the back garden. But and even so, you would still be heard yeah, for miles around. Yeah, it was a racket. Know? And yeah. I remember one Sunday afternoon, a neighbour shouting over the wall, please, not on a Sunday. Jesus, <laughs> give us one day. <laughs> <laughs> what about these ones you get in these electric kits you get now, uh, with headphones? Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. quite as satisfying, I No, imagine. but yeah. yeah, they do the job. Look, before we go any further, let's let's have some music from that era with the Lucan concert band. <laughs> what are you going to... Hopefully it is the actual Lucan concert band, is it? It's <laughs> it's a piece that we did uh, and that we I was very fond of. Uh, but it's did, not you. It's not us. Mm. So what is it? It is uh, a piece from the Dances with Wolves soundtrack uh, called the John Dunbar theme. And and you, when this if this if this was imagine this now if this was the Lucan concert band you'd be the second flautist. I would yeah for, you'd, you'd hear me squeaking away. Very good. You might have done better, Paul, if you'd been the second harmonica player on that, uh, that particular track. You might have got more attention. Um, John Dunbar theme from uh, Dances with Wolves. Um, the compose is that John Barry? It is John Barry. John Barry. Yeah. John Barry. So, I'm I'm interested in in the uh, the idea of a drummer who is also capable of being a frontman. There are some drummers who sing, like Levon Helm and people like that. Um, but you know, being a frontman is a whole different thing. And you may have seen that wonderful documentary about backing singers. Uh, Mary Clayton and people like that and they interview Springsteen and, and other front people about how wonderful their backing singers were how much better they are than them but then Springsteen makes the point yeah but it's a very long walk from back there to up front yeah. you know you need something extra and you need to be a different kind of figure to go out front so what was it propelled you out from behind the kit? Um, notions of grandeur probably I, I, I had these songs and I would sing them from the kit, I suppose, and then, you know, when we, when Damien left the band and we sort of said, oh, what, what are we going to do? And we, we decided then that I would be the singer 
and we would get a drummer in and I remember the first gig was in Whelan's in Dublin and I did f- I felt really naked standing out like the, the, the even the physical barrier of a drum kit and the fact that you're sitting down is is you know mm. massively protective yeah. out there with, with without any of that I did and it took a while for for it to sit comfortably I think for me to really sort of recline in that comfortably um, but there were your songs and you wanted wanted to put them yeah, across obviously yeah, yeah. It, it there's and we'd still do gigs now where 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 the, the, the three of us would still do like smaller gigs when when I, when I would play drums and sing and and that can be really compelling as well like I love watching singing drummers myself but for a sort of a standing rock and roll show you got to be out I think and slapping around did you want to be famous no not no no I mean not it's not no. I'm not being it's not like a provocative question, but I've often asked people that, and mm. some of them say, "Some will say, oh yes, absolutely, I wanted to be a pop star.'" If you ask Neil Hannan, he say, "Yes, I wanted to be on top of the pops." Okay, you know, but you didn't want to be on top of the no. pops, did you? No, I, I just sort of wanted to, to to give voice to these songs, and uh, and to be sort of a, a big part of it was getting out and seeing the world for for, for me, and uh, you know, we've, we've thank, thankfully been able to do a lot of that. Well. How quickly did all that happen? You know, record deals and all that kind of stuff. Because you did get to see the world courtesy of of your yeah. of your band and your talent. Then you know. Yeah, early on, we we were signed by by Island Records, and we made three records with them. Um, so yeah, from like our first record was two, was two thousand. You know, and then the it 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 it, it was definitely a, a leg up, and uh, we spent a lot of time in London. Uh, on the on those those on all those records actually in, in in Chiswick we spent months in a hotel there called the uh, called the Chiswick which is like a real faulty towers sort of vibe um, and and that sort of hanging out in London and going to see things and just the scale of it was 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 quite a thing you know we we gigged we had a car that we somehow fit all the backline and all of us in. I'd concertina the drums to take all the skins off and put them into each oh, other. No. Holding uh, keyboard stands on the roof as we drove along, it was, yeah. But de- devotion, you mean you were devoted to yeah. the music at that point? Yeah, and, and it's like, you know, there was a, the sort of, I think, an, an, uh, an innocence about that time and a sort of a purity about, about the love of, of music and playing music and and not that just I, I find as you as you sort of uh, you learn how, how 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 the ropes are and how the, the sort of machinations of the business and even sort of going to gigs and you're looking at the PA and the configuration of the lights and and uh, it, it 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 can dull that sort of magic in the sense that you know you might you might like a sausage but you really don't want to see how it's made. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember going to gigs first of all you know the first ones that were really, really excited and you know, I'd been intrigued by a roadie walking across the stage and going one two one two yeah. you know tapping the microphone or you know guys climbing the grid climbing the, the grid rope ladders they get massive applause yeah I used to love all that and they'd sort of pretend to not notice that they were being applauded yeah, yeah no, that was those, those were good days you know I remember going to see a Radiohead gig in Galway and uh, you know we were massive Radiohead fans and and uh, a couple of us had binoculars, <laughs> so we could see what gear they were using, and <laughs> what effects Johnny had, and yeah, what's he building down there? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So your next musical choice is what? 
Yeah, this is, uh, you know, I, I think when I was in my mid to late teens, that, that for me is still, I think, the sort of time when I was most, that, that era of like really falling in love with music and, and, and that it has a potency that's, that can, can't be matched as you sort of go through, uh, as I have been talking about finding, learning the sort of machinations of the business and, and, and learning sort of, I suppose your craft and it's falling in love with music and the bands that you, that, that, that hold your hand as you do that, I think will stay with you for life, you know, and there was a record by the Sundays called reading, writing and arithmetic, uh, that I've, I've, I still listen to and, and, uh, she's been in uh, sort of, she, it, I've, her voice has always, uh, been, been, been something to, to move me. And, uh, um, yeah, I want to play a song called I Kicked a Boy. The Sundays and I Kicked a Boy. The choice of Paul Noonan is with me tonight on Mystery Train. Paul from Bell X1 is picking all the tracks uh, tonight. That, you, what you said earlier about music conjuring up a time, I mean, that even if you didn't know what that was, or even if you hadn't heard that particular sound before, that's exactly a particular period, isn't it? Yeah. The, the rhythm of it, the sound of the guitars... The kind of Smiths, kind of Morrissey, kind of yeah. rhythm of the lyrics and everything. The early nineties thing, I suppose. The Sundays, yeah. yeah. Um, were you? Um, were these bands? You know, the, the music of the time. Were they exerting a particular influence on the music you guys were making, or were you kind of in parallel trying to do your own thing? But I suppose this is before we 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 would have made our own music. This is sort of what led me. To, to to want to make music, this 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 period that uh, the Sundays REM were, were one of my big loves as well. Uh, I remember being re- a big admirer of how you two seemed to be a real sort of brotherhood. Yeah. And 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 you know, a, apart from sort of musical stylings and 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 actual actual music, that the notion of of brotherhood was 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 very important to us I think and and the fact that because you spend so much time together and that you know they're very formative experiences these early years in 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 making music together and sort of sharing and it's a very vulnerable thing Mm. as well you're really exposing yourself when you're you're making music with people and And you really have to be comfortable with that yeah it's a time of your life you're not too happy about being vulnerable either you know true yeah I remember I was very self-conscious about it for a long time yeah the brotherhood thing is 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 important come to think of it that's why you two are still around actually convinced of it that it's absolutely the same yeah it seems very real there yeah they're they're a gang and yet REM looked like the same thing and they they stopped yeah I kind of I'd imagine that'll come together at some point again do you think so say well it'd be lovely Yeah. yeah yeah Who were the who were the kind of um, who were the gods to you in terms of a band at that era? Uh, you know, I, I often think about um, the kind of I would I would have records that that I would take I would have have them on my Walkman and I would go to bed listening to them and that I often think again of those as sort of the most sort of potent like falling in love with music years uh rem's life's rich, rich pageant green and then automatic for the people were 
were were were were those records for me uh, and well why, yeah. don't, why don't we play um what the REM track which one do you want night swimming oh terrific Night Swimming from R.E.M., the choice of Paul Noonan from uh, Bell X1, who's my guest on Mystery Train tonight. Paul's picking all the tunes. Uh, we might as well just move on, actually, because we, we mentioned you two. Yeah. Um, I, and I was saying to you that sometimes if, I, if I'd, be, I'd be, I wouldn't fancy going on a quiz and being asked questions about you two or R.E.M. or any of those bands whose music I know really well, but I'm starting to, I'm not sure what's on what album anymore. Okay. It becomes kind of confused in my own head, or maybe that's just me. <laughs> But you've picked uh, what? What I mean? Where do you start with you two? I mean, for instance, and why did you choose this particular track from this particular album? Uh, I I had this on this record on Unforgettable Fire on vinyl, and I had a record player in my room, and I had that sort of retreat to the fortress of my room, and this was mine and mine only. So this was <laughs> the last time. The last time you got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, is this your favourite U2 album? That's yeah. kind of a pub question. Yeah, I suppose yeah. it would be, yeah. yeah. It, has, it has such a sort of coherent character sonically and, uh, you know, watching the documentaries of how they made it and in Slane and uh, and the input of, 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 of Brian Eno and Daniel Lanois yeah. and, and the, what a sort of very, you know, production is such a vague term and, you know, often... Uh, it, it, it's you know whatever it takes, but this was it. it seemed like a a, a a a great example of really adding something and adding character and making people up their game. Mm. They're not they're not the sort of guys who sit in the back of the room and sort of make the occasional suggestion. Like no, they're, they're in there. And there was conflict, and yeah. it, that's good sometimes. Yeah. yeah. What's been your experience with producers? I don't mean you to condemn anybody here. Uh, or what would you prefer, for instance? Would you like someone who's hands-on or someone at the back saying, oh, perhaps a little mute trumpet there would be No, nice. I think something, someone that uh, really takes the reins. We've re- rarely had that because we've often, we sort of, th- I think our thing is that there are too many ideas flying around and, and we often need a filter mm. to sort of yay or nay them yeah. um, as opposed to sort of imposing a character. I suppose the most, our, our second last record is called Chop Chop and we made it, with Thomas Bartlett of The Gloaming and others and a guy called Peter Cadis who we'd been fans of for a long time he made a, he's made a lot of national records and Interpol records and, yeah. and that was a real that was our most sort of intense we're being produced here and let let go of the reins let me ask experience. you about Thomas Bartlett after we hear you too actually because okay. I, I, I know Thomas is a musician but I'd love to know how he works as a, as a producer actually Unforgettable fire. You too, the choice of Paul Noonan. Paul's here tonight. Paul from Bell X One's picking all the tunes. We're just talking about producers there, Paul. And you, you worked with Thomas Bartlett, and, and Thomas, people know, played plays piano in the in the, in the gloaming. Extraordinary musician, sort of. There's an oddness, odd brilliance to what he does. He produced a couple of albums that you know he, he produced Adrian Crowley's albums. So. Yeah. I'm just curious, a musician like him who, who sits there on the side, you know, and seems to just do his own thing and. You know, I'll play a bit of piano now, and I won't for another while. Yeah. How does he work as a producer? Uh, as a bit of a whirlwind, like he—he's he, got, like, his instincts are 
incredibly convincing. He's one of these guys that you will follow, like musically. And like he, he's how he changes or, or enhances the emotion of something by an inversion of a chord. I call it the triste. He brings a sort of sadness, but not a sort of like moany hole sadness or an obvious sadness. He brings a a certain a, a color that's really really elusive. I find as a as a as a sort of fumbling musician, I'm not a. I can play drums well, but I can't really play guitar or piano particularly well, and I don't know how to achieve, often achieve those those sort of more subtle inversions of chords that you know, translate to an emotion, emotional qualities. Mm. And he, he has that down. Yeah. Of course, he's got classical training and all the rest of it, hasn't he? Kind of, yeah, he's not one of those Juilliard guys, though. Like he, no. He's well, I mean, he's as much focused as anything else. I mean, himself and Sam Amidon have yeah. been running around since they were kids. Yeah. Um, he's probably Tommy's is probably as interested in Seamus Ennis than he is in Ravel and Debussy and all the rest uh, of it. But, but knows it all, yeah, like, and yeah. knows the form. Can jump, it, it can jump in on on traditional mu- Irish traditional music or jazz. Yeah, you know, he knows the form of these well, things. He's a, he's a class of a genius, really, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, um, Thomas Bartlett. Um, you're going to play a song for us yourself, Paul. Uh, could you describe the setup because you're it's just yourself. Yeah. But it's going to sound like there's a multitude. Uh, I I'm cheating a little bit. I have a, a it's a it's a thing called a voice box which generates harmonies, and uh, I have a a drum machine. Um, so drum machines have progressed since our early days, Paul. They have, yeah, considerably. Yeah. Boom, and chicka, boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, chicka. I, I I did a bunch of solo shows uh, for the for the first time. I've never really played solo. I did I did some. In lovely places around the country, like like the Barras and Clonakilty and the Spirit Store in Dundalk and Connolly's in Lep, I did about six of them in last November, just to sort of see how it feel the fear and do it anyway, sort of. Thing. Was it was it scary? Yeah? Kinda, yeah. Uh, and I did a bunch of new songs, and this is how I performed um, again with a, with a piano and a guitar and a voice box. So, would you mind introducing the song? I will. And we'll, let's, let's hear this it. is called Moth to Your Flame. Okay. And that was uh, Moth to Your Flame. Thanks, uh, Paul, for that. That was gorgeous. Thank you. Terrific. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be, we'll be right back after this. And this is Mystery Train and RTE Lyric FM until 9 o'clock. Uh, John Kelly here. My guest is Paul Noonan from Bell X1. Paul's picking all the records. Paul, there's a bunch of things I want to talk to you about, about other stuff apart from Bell X1. But just as we're playing these tracks, um, you were talking there about, you know, when, you, when you're in a band and you're trying to put all that stuff together, you, there are all sorts of performers and people that become real touchstones and important influences and... Um, templates and all these things. So you're trying to find out how to be a band, I guess, you know. Mm. Um, who are the people that you would have paid close attention to in those, uh, when you're already a band and you're and, and who was important to you guys? I think collectively, uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen was someone that we loved as kids and 
as a performer and the kind of things he said and again that sort of sense of family and, and brotherhood and, and fun you know along with the sort of uh, the message and, and sort of being able to sort of pitch a, a show that would sustain over three hours that that was incredibly mm. how to do it in other yeah. words yeah how do you do that? And you know, there, so that, that I mean, there was there was that sort of side of things, but then there was the Radiohead side of things, which was which was a, like a the sort of sonic sculpting and um, more, I suppose, introspective, and it it, uh, it, it needed. A, it, a, a bit more sort of interpretation or there were degrees of separation there between sort of, you know, there it, it was less uh, uh, less heart on, on sleeve. But, you know, the the, the sort of, the, their journey from sort of straight up rock band from Pablo Honey, you know, uh, <laughs> Creep, which apparently was a bit of a joke song and see, let's see how daft we can make this guitar sound and it sort of it, it propelled them to sort of fame and, and and then to sort of turn their back on that to some extent with with the bands while I remember, we, I remember talking to the lads or we had this impression that they would have been so it was our early days you know with a major label and, and, and we would have been under we would have thought that there would be massive pressure on them to sort of churn out the creeps and they made the bends, which was anything but. You know, it, had, mm. it, it was a, a beautiful. It was still sort of pretty straight up rock music, but uh, it, it had a, a, a. You know, there were no smash hit singles in the same way. Uh, it, it had incredible sort of depth, and the production on it was was amazing as well. And then for them to go into the sort of electronic world and. And, and sort of constantly change it up and, you know, mess with jazz and odd time signatures and sort of the Warp Records influence on on, on, on Tom, I suppose, and, and sort of on, on, on the wider band. It, 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 was, it was always something to, I, I felt anyway, to sort of admire and, and sort of be inspired by. Do you want to play a Radiohead track? Please. Which one? Uh, Let Down. Ah, okay. And that's Radiohead and uh, Let Down. Um, I'm looking at your list, Paul, and you've got Goretzky down here. I do. Now, I'm, I'm not 100% sure whether I heard this from Donald Deneen or Donald Deneen heard it from me or what, but this is a piece of music that kind of crossed over and all sorts of people started listening yeah. to this Goretzky piece, you know? It's yeah. an astonishing piece of music. Where it did you is. hear it, do you think? I... I we in 2004 Ireland had the presidency of the EU and 12 countries joined the EU um from eastern europe and we were sent there as sort of ambassadors of of Ireland and and we went and we played gigs in all of those countries in January 2004 
And I remember, like, on the tour bus, sort of driving through Poland, you know, from Krakow to Warsaw or, or driving through to Bratislava and we went to Budapest and it, it, it was, you know, I'd, we'd never been to that part of the world and we listened to that Goretzky's uh, symphony of sorrowful songs on the tour bus while looking out into, onto this landscape and it just had incredible, incredible resonance. Is this the Don Upshaw version, is it? We, we, we interviewed Don Upshaw in here once and... Uh I said, when you were recording that, did you know that this was something okay. special? And she said, oh, yes. You know, now, it was previously recorded, obviously, in Polish by another yeah. singer. But when she did this version, she said they knew in the studio that just made something okay. astonishing, you know. And it is, too. So this is, this is um, the second movement yeah. of uh, Gretzky's Symphony of Sorrowful Songs. Well, that's fairly astonishing, isn't it? I play that quite a bit on the radio myself, and it's the choice tonight of uh, Paul Noonan from Bell X1 Goretzky's Symphony of Sorrowful Songs. That's from the second movement of that. Um, Paul, when I describe you as, as Paul Noonan of Bell X1, it doesn't really cover it, does it, because of all these other side projects. So what exactly is your... <laughs> what, what is your status? What do you are? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, well, well, well I, I, I think the band has become a sort of hub and from which lots of projects have sprung for for a few for all of us, I think. And I think we just like to stay busy. It's you know the, I often think of like bands back in the day or Mo, you know Motown acts who would have knocked out a couple of records a year. And, yeah. And like we tend to sort of we're a couple of years between records, and there's a lot of time to sort of. I do, I don't know. We we all like Dave has a home studio and he's always in there working. And I have a studio in town here, and I I I, I tried to get in every day. I was very inspired by sort of Nick Cave's nine to five thing. Yeah. And uh, I've I've tried to do do a bit of that because I it used to be a case that songs would sort of would would spring from would would hit like a bolt from the blue or you know that you sort of wait around for sort of to be a, a conduit for the gods. And now I find you have to sort of put the work in. You have to, like, go and stare at a blank page. and. Well, certainly. I mean, know. Stax, Motown, all those guys went to work in the morning. That was mm. it, you know. Let's, what do you need a song about? Okay. <laughs> have, you, have you got a title? I've, kind of, I've never really written to order like that. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of doing that. Yeah. Well, it can, it can be done, and it yeah. can produce some of the best songs, yeah, best pop songs. Yeah. Well, the Brill Building and all that sort of stuff, you know. So what would attract you then to a project with somebody else? I mean, what 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 are you looking for in a collaborator? I I, th- I'm, I made a record called Printer Clips a few years ago and I, it it was at a time when the the band's records were very complicated and, and there were lots of sort of uh, often competing uh, themes and, and sort of colours being flung around and, 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 and I just... I went to see Gillian Welsh play and I was totally blown away by the power and simplicity of herself and David Rawlings, two voices, two guitars, mm. and, the, and the strength of the song. So I, 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 I had a bunch of songs that would, I felt would lend, it, lend themselves to that and I, and I wrote a few more and I, I got on the phone and I, I started calling 
people and saying, will you sing a song with me? And I'd, I'd go out and, and I'd bring a mobile recording setup and I'd go and record in their kitchen or their living room and didn't do a whole lot other than that and took those photographs and put out the record and some beautiful stuff on it, like Martha Wainwright and Jonas Policewoman and Lisa Hannigan and, and you know, we I just, I didn't, you know, didn't know a lot of them. I just managed to contact them somehow and they were like, yeah, cool. So I I actually flew out to Montreal. It's where I recorded with, uh, with, 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 um, with Amy Milan from Stars as well as as as, uh, well, I, as met her, I met her once. She's amazing. Yeah, she was. Yeah, we yeah. toured with Stars in the states yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, she's extraordinary. Do you mind if we play something from this record? I mean, I know you're picking the music tonight, but can I pick one? Of course. Right. This is you and uh, and Martha Wainwright. That all right? You. Yeah, absolutely. And that's Martha Wainwright there with our guest tonight, Paul Noonan. Sorry, Paul, I interrupted your picking the tracks just to play that. But as you were talking about that particular project... Now, another thing you have done, um, you're curating an event. I know curating is a kind of a grand word, but I think it's the best word for it. Um, an event called Imagining Ireland 21st Century Song. And now that can sound, when you, read it, when you write it down, like some awful, uh, what's the word, symposium uh, of <laughs> academics... Imagine in Ireland. Yeah. But this is a gathering of, will you describe it to me? I'm looking at the list of performers. Um, what's what's the criteria to be on this on this bill? Just be deadly. Deadly. Was was the thing. I think we, we, I think there's some great things, there's some great noise being made here at the moment. It feels like Ireland is, is having uh, a, a moment and that it, it's, we're, we're well. I mean, it's 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 happened a while ago, I think. But we've shed the sort of straitjacket, possibly, of 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 being known for only singer songwriting mm. and that sort of more traditional side of things. So, um, we wanted to to showcase uh, all kinds of music, both country and western. Right. At this. Both kinds, yeah. <laughs> and so, so this is happening at the National Concert Hall. It's happening in February, 3rd of February. And so you've you've basically programmed this. You've picked who's coming or, you, you know, you've, you've organised it. You've yeah. Produced well, it, I mean, it's myself and, and Gary Sheehan in the concert hall who I think is, 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 is programming some amazing stuff. Okay, so who was top of your list? When you start, well, not top of your list in the sense of who you want, but who, when you start making this list, who do you immediately, who comes to mind for you of the sort of thing you're talking about? Well, I, we came across uh, a, a grime act. I don't know if that's what they would enjoy being known as. I think so, uh, called Mango and Mathman. And it this is the first time I've heard a sort of real authentic... Mathman works upstairs. Okay. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. Okay. I remember he changed his hair once and I thought, that guy's in a band. <laughs> I mean, they're, remember they're not even called a band anymore. I'm so out of touch. They're they're just, they have, and a real... They're two a, Dublin lads, aren't they? An, they, an, they? an Irish or Dublin take on on, on that, on, on hip-hop and grime. And it's it's uh, it's the first time I've heard it sort of done in a way that you're not going, why is he singing in that accent? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's really 
great to have that voice on 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 the bill. Uh, Loa is on the bill. Well, you know that's not a mistake. I'll yeah. tell you, she's amazing. She is. Yeah. Uh, a girl called Maria Kelly, who who I came across last year. Uh, who else do we got? Well, Lisa Hannigan, of course. I mean, Lisa and I have have worked together before, and I, you know, she's she's an incredible performer and writer. And um, a guy called Brian Deedy. Uh, You've got Seamus, Seamus Fogarty as well, yeah, yeah, and and Crash Ensemble String Quartet. So it's a, it's it's a good mix. It's a mix of types well, of music. I think we we wanted everyone to sort of perform pretty much solo with the and then have the quartet be the thread that links everybody, mm. you know. Mm. And so the people are doing a sort of different take on what they what what they, you know they don't have a backing band as such. Is it a whole new scene, or or are we just? older people who have just discovered there's a whole load of young people we didn't know about because that's happened to me yeah but that's the nature of it there's no shame in that yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I think well it's good at least, at least you've found <laughs> out at least you've gone to the bother of uh, checking them out yeah yeah I, I you know I, I do try to get out and see gigs yeah. and you know go off a Tuesday night in town and and, and just you know because it's there's a there's always been interesting things happening but I, I, I think there's 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 a real potency to some of it now. Okay, here's a track from Maria Kelly. I've got a play And that's Maria Kelly, the choice of Paul Noonan. Maria's on the lineup with um the Imagining Ireland programme at the National Concert Hall in Dublin, February the third. Paul's the curator. Imagining Ireland, twenty first century song. Get, let's get in a few more musical choices because we're, yeah. we're running a little bit late on time. Um, you look at that list of yours and tell me what you desperately want to play. Okay. There's a a, a track called Jasmine by yeah. a guy called Jay Paul that I really want to play. He's uh, in this age of sort of everybody throwing their lives up on online. He's a proper sort of enigma. He made a demo a few years ago and is nowhere to be found. Terrific. J. Paul Jasmine. That's Jasmine and uh, from J. Paul. That's a, I don't know J. Paul at all, so thanks for that. Thanks for that. What are you listening to at the moment? Uh, what's, on, what's on your turntable? Francis and the Lights. Uh, uh, made a record last year and I, I, I've been loving it and... Where and how do you listen to... Do you listen to vinyl for a start? Maybe that's, that's Sometimes. Again. I mean, I used to buy records and then I'd bring them home and I'd lie on the floor in the dark and blare them. Oh, do you remember that? And do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I used to lie in the dark listening to Nusrat Fatty Ali Khan <laughs> at full volume. It was kind of inexplicable in yeah. lots of ways, but there we are. But uh, do you get to do you get I to actually I, listen to music anymore? Uh, You've got children, don't you? I children. I have small children. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the joys of of that has been listening to stuff afresh through their ears. Yeah. I have a boy, an eight-year-old who loves ACDC yeah, and man. hearing like the immediate uh, uh, effect of, of Back in Black yeah. when, he, you know, when, when the shouting slash singing starts and, 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 and he's just, he loves it, you know. Um, and also this, I'd love to play this track, actually, it's a... Um, Stevie Wonder's Mr. Know-It-All. It, the bit at the end when he, when he, when Stevie lets go and, and is, 
again, Sam, my eight-year-old, it's just, I remember the first time he heard it, his eyes lit up and it was like, what is this? And Well, let's, let's play the Stevie track and then we come back to the other one. That's yeah. a Mr. Know-It-All, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder there and Mr. Know-It-All and that's, that's uh, for Paul Noonan's son, uh, Lights up the sound of Stevie Wonder, which is quite quite. It is, it is good when you know the, the your kids can introduce the older people back to music yeah. that they've somehow let slip by or something or forgotten about. Terrific. Do you try and uh, now people think I probably do and I don't. Do you try and kind of corral your children in certain yeah, directions that don't be listening to that rubbish? Here's Miles Davis. No, I no, I, and I have done probably and just a little uh, bit, and it's it's sort of you know. Yeah, you don't. There's oh, a, your kids there's a snobbery about talking it. head songs to school, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you don't do that. That's good. Well, I, I'm sure I do. Like, uh, yeah, they would. They'd know, like I don't know, like some of the Leonard Cohen stuff that that our six year old little girl <laughs> kind of sings is a little dark, possibly. <laughs> The school concert. In my secret life, yeah. for some reason, she sings that song, which is one of my favourite Leonard Cohen songs, but it's incredibly sad. <laughs> okay, that's, you mentioned Francis and the Lights, so let's, let's play that track now. Francis and the Lights. That's Friends from uh, Francis and the Lights. Um Bellex one. These, uh, how do you feel about these Vicar Street gigs? Uh, I know we mentioned this at the top of the show, but in case anybody's joined us, Bellex won 20 years together and you're playing five nights in Vicar Street. Yeah. That's yeah. It's a daunting it ma- But it makes you thing. kind of, it makes you kind of uh, national treasure status kind of stuff, you know? I mean, yeah. I know you don't want that word. I don't want it either. But what I'm saying is, I don't want to use that word, but what I'm saying is it's kind of, um, it, it means you're a very established band. Yeah. Like we've seven records, and you know, to me, when we get an email or a letter from people who talk about our music and and what it does for them, and you know, I've, I was talking before about sort of taking REM to bed on my Walkman and and really and falling in love through their falling in love with music through them, and the idea. That, that we might be that band for some people. There's no greater satisfaction mm. than to hear that for me. It, it, must, it must be very satisfying, actually, to find that what you have been doing over a long period of time means something very deep and profound to people. Yeah. Uh, it, it's... And there's been a sort of bit of an outpouring... Since we announced these anniversary shows, there's been a bit of, been a, bit of a sort of outpouring... Uh, uh, from from people who talk about those those you know earlier records and and having having been sort of formative influences on on their journey in music and 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 sort of have stayed with us since and are sort of uh, you know I think the, the the babysitters of Dublin will do well <laughs> in March. <laughs> <laughs> the week maybe get five nights out of it babysitter too yeah, you, could, you could do that let's get another track in if we can um, you, you, go on you pick you've okay. got your list there in front I of you I want to pick uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've picked I've picked a bunch a lot of this. The, I've tried not to pick just my favorite songs. I've tried to pick songs that have sort of been part of my journey in music. And uh, I want to pick this song by Most Def called Umi Says. And uh, for me, it's all I always associated with No Disco, the show. Who was presenting at that point? Because uh, Unine, yeah, was. Uh, and I mean, I I you know Donald uh, before her, obviously. Uh, but I found that she shows it. it it introduced me to a lot of music that I hadn't heard, and and what a sort of uh, a window on on a on, on a world of music that I probably didn't know existed. Um, that 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 was uh, discovering, and uh, and you know I've become really into into a lot of hip hop, I suppose, in the last few years, and 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 this was a sort of early example of sort of of, of really positive hip hop, and I, I saw. Uh, Most Def play Vicar Street last year, I think. It, it was a, it was a sort of an anniversary show again of, of his record called uh, Black on Both Sides, and uh, and it was just one of the most wonderfully sort of uplifting gigs I've ever seen. Okay, here's Most Def. Umi says. <laughs> Most Def and Umi says. We have time for one more, Paul. So just to, I just want to repeat, actually, that Imagine in Ireland 21st Century song featuring yourself and a bunch of people, Lisa Hannigan, Sin Sister, Seamus Fogarty, Brian Deedy, Loa, Mango and Mathman, Stephen James Smith, Maria Kelly, Jay Colleran with the Crash Ensemble String Quartet. That's Saturday the 3rd of February, 8pm, National Concert Hall, and your own Five Nights with Bell X, the one at Vicar Street. Um, that's um, 21st to 25th of March, sold out. Yeah. God. Gone. Uh, King John's Castle, Limerick, 6th of May, and the Marquis in Cork on the 15th of June. It's great. It's, 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 good. it's good, healthy stuff, that, isn't it? It is. I'd say you're looking to forward to Vicar Street. You know, the idea, the idea of, of, you know, five nights, they're sold out, they're all there to hear you, and they're all there to have a good time. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like, listening to that, those old, old records and trying to relearn stuff has been great. You know, it's been sort of... I think it's been reinvigorating for us as a Do you surprise well. yourself? Do you surprise yourself when you think, God, what, what was I, what was I really thinking about when I wrote that, or what was going on there? Yeah, I, I think like vocally, uh, I've had a bit of a journey as well. We we slag, or there is a slag afoot. Uh, our first record, I, 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 there's a few. I get a touch of the Ronans, the Ronan Keating, mm-hmm. apparently. <laughs> I've have a few sort of, Touch of the mo- moments get your prescription on that record. That. <laughs> get a cream for that. <laughs> okay, okay. Paul, thanks for for coming in. Um, it's great talking. To you. Thanks, thanks for picking all these tracks for us and putting all the work in. We, we pick one more to, to go out on. Please. Uh, what what do we have? I'd love to play uh, Nina Simone's version of Suzanne. Ah, Paul Noonan, thanks a million. I'll see you tomorrow night at. Um, Seven o'clock here on RTE Lyric FM. Here's Nina Simone. Thanks, Paul. You've been listening to a podcast of Mystery Train with John Kelly. Mystery Train hits the rails every Sunday to Thursday at 7pm on 96 to 99 RTE Lyric FM.